As Paul traveled all around telling people about Jesus, the Holy Spirit compelled him to return to Jerusalem. Paul didn't know why, but he had a sense that there was trouble ahead. When he arrived in Jerusalem, Paul went to the temple to share about how he had encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. His story angered some of the Jews so much that they dragged Paul away from the temple and tried to kill him. Just before they could, a group of Roman soldiers arrived and arrested Paul. On their way to the jail, Paul asked if he could say something to the crowd that had gathered. The soldiers agreed, and Paul told them about his experience on the road to Damascus. When Paul told them that God called him to share God's message with non-Jews, called Gentiles, they started screaming for him to be killed. So the soldiers took him into the barracks. When they discovered that Paul was a Roman citizen, they became fearful of doing anything to harm him. This led to a series of courtroom battles where the Jews and Romans fought to decide what to do with Paul. Finally, Paul insisted that because he was a Roman citizen, he had the right to go to Rome and appeal to Caesar. As Paul awaited his trial in Rome, he was allowed to live in his own home under house arrest. For over two years, Paul served others by inviting them into his home and telling them about Jesus and his message. Paul was eventually let go and began to travel again, but was quickly arrested and returned to Rome. This time, he was forced to live in a cold dungeon, chained like a criminal. Eventually, he was executed by the Roman government. Unfortunately, Paul wasn't the only apostle to be executed for what he believed and for telling others about Jesus. In fact, almost every one of the original disciples of Jesus was killed. All of them, except for one. It is without question one of the most exciting events in all of the Olympics. Uh, and it is one where the United States is expected to always finish near the top. The event is track and field and the 4x100 relay, where the four fastest sprinters of both the men and the women run 100 meters each before handing off the baton to the next person. And in 2008, the, the expectations were high for the U.S. team. The U.S. track and field team had been disappointing uh, earlier in the Olympics, so this was a chance at redemption. And so on one evening in Beijing, both the men and the women's teams ran within minutes of each other in the first heat against competition that was not superior, and both of them failed to move on. How is it that some of the best runners in the world, putting four of the best runners of the world and the men and the women together, how is it that they could fail to move on against subpar competition? And the answer is simple. Both relay teams dropped the baton. They dropped the baton and they were disqualified as a result. Church, we have a baton to pass as well. We have a race to run, the Bible talks about, but we also have a baton to pass on to the next generation. 
And it is vitally important for us as Christians to understand that if the faith is to be passed on to the next generation, it's up for us to pass the baton. If we want the faith to move on, we've got to pass the baton. But how is it that we do that? Well, as influential as Peter and Paul were in their writings and in their teachings in the early church, they also recognized the importance of passing the baton, as did Jesus Christ, did he not? I mean, he spent three years on earth and the whole world's been changed because of those three years. Why? Because he passed on the baton. Because he knew that he had to pass the baton. And so... When we look at passing on the baton, I want to take a look this morning at 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. These were letters of Paul. As we saw on the video, Paul spent a significant amount of time in prison for sharing the faith. While he was in prison, he wrote letters of communications with churches and with people. Towards the end of the New Testament, we see these books, 1 and 2 Timothy, along with Titus, that were written to individuals. Titus was written to a guy named Titus, 1st and 2nd Timothy, was written to a guy named Timothy. That's it, right? Pretty simple. But what we're going to see here is that Paul knew that he was nearing the end of his life. He knew that the end was going to come at a time when he did not appoint it. He knew that it was going to come at, the, at some of the moments that he didn't even know when they were going to happen, but it was going to happen. And so he wrote these letters as a part of encouragement to some of the people he had been mentoring, to some of the people he had been working with in order to grow their faith. And so we see, first of all, I'm going to show you several different ways of how we can pass the baton. The first way that, Shaw, that, that Paul, excuse me, Paul shows us that he, we can pass the baton is through intimate relationships, through intimate relationships. Now, to our knowledge, Paul was not married. He was a single guy. Now, he could have been married earlier on uh, because it says that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and a Pharisee would have been married if he was near the top. But what we know is that Paul was not married at the time he wrote these letters. We don't know of any children that he had. But when he writes to Timothy, I want you to notice how he writes to him. In 1 Timothy 1-2, he says, To Timothy... My true son in the faith. To Timothy, my true son in the faith. Now, I had a lot of coaches growing up who called me son from time to time, but it was normally when I was getting chewed out. Son, why don't you get your rear end over here a little faster than what you are right now, right? We've all heard that before, but for Paul, this is language of intimacy. Who is it that you have in your life that you can call a spiritual son or daughter? Who is it that you have in your life maybe that you could call a spiritual brother or sister? There's nothing wrong with using that language. In fact, it can be a very powerful language to use. But who is it that you're so close to that maybe they are even becoming closer to you than your own children are? That you can invest in them in a way that truly passes on the faith. The reality is, is a lot of kids are growing up without solid Christian figures in their life. But research has shown us that for young adults who grew up in the church, who remain Christians on through their 20s, that they have had at least 
five key figures in their lives who have invested in them at a deeper level than others. So if you want your kids to grow up in the faith, you need to get them around other people who can be spiritual figures to them as well. Because let's face it, when they're in their teenage years and in their 20s, they ain't listening to you anyway, right? The best thing you can do is, is invest in people who they will listen to, people who they will respect. Rub shoulders with those people who can help them to be, who, who can be a spiritual mother or father to them. Joe Cotner has been helping us out with worship in the interim. He was the guy uh, who was leading us today. Uh, and I'm always reminded whenever I see Joe of his father-in-law, Steve Stewart. Uh, I grew up in a church with Steve Stewart where the Stewart family uh, was one of the rocks in that church. Uh, and I absolutely loved having, um, having Steve around. Steve actually played my father in one of the Easter musicals that we did. So we already kind of had a father-son relationship um, but then, you know, going on along throughout my high school days, Steve was one of the guys who always sponsored us in our youth group, who was always there for us in the youth ministry. Uh, and, and when I went into ministry, he was one of the elders who helped ordain me. And he was someone that when we planted a church, he was one of the guys that worked with me to help us plant the church from my home church. And that constant walk throughout my life has been one that I know if I've got an issue, I know if I've got a problem, I could always pick up the phone and call Steve and he would answer. I know that he would be someone to walk alongside me. And I want every kid that goes through our church to have those relationships. Not just with Andre, because he's the youth minister. Not just with the teachers who are there, but with other adults in the church. And I've seen some of that happen in the lobby on an informal basis. And that's how these relationships tend to happen. They tend to grow on an informal basis where your parents are friends or where you're simply rubbing shoulders with people and these conversations start to happen. Kids love it when we show, young adults love it when we show an interest in who they are. So who are those intimate relationships that you can have, those close relationships who you can help pass the baton with? And since it's Mother's Day, we also need to recognize that a huge part of Timothy's upbringing was by his grandmother and his mother. In 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 through 5, in the greeting of the letter, Paul says to Timothy, I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy." And he goes on to say, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Man, thank God for moms and grandmas, right? Thank God for those ladies who play those roles in our life. And I'm convinced that if Paul were to write me a letter, it'd be a little weird since he's been dead for a couple thousand years at this point. But if Paul were to write me a letter, he would probably start off by saying something about, I remember the faith that was in first in your grandma, Lorena, who used to take you to church, who showed you that her faith was important even as she battled leukemia, and how she passed that on to your mother, Jeannie. And how after she and your dad got their marriage turned around, how, how Jeannie started praying that you'd be a preacher when you grew up. You see, we need to be reminded of those things, don't we? 
That the faith that we have, it came from somebody else. It was passed on from somebody else. We have to make it our own. But that those roots are there so often in our parents. And especially it seems to be that the role of moms and grandmas can play a vital role in this. Moms and those who play motherly roles in life. I'm telling you, your role in bringing up the next generation is absolutely vital. God works through you to do something that nobody else can do. And, and in Timothy's life, his father or his grandfather doesn't seem to be active believers here. We don't know much about Timothy's father. We don't know anything really about it. But what we do know is that his mom and his grandma, they picked up the bar here. They picked up the baton and they chose to pass it on to Timothy. And there is a seed planted in Timothy that, frankly, the early church wouldn't have survived if it weren't for people like Lois and Eunice. That just simply wouldn't have happened. And so while often we talk about the different men of faith that we see in the New Testament, there's a rich history of women behind the scenes who are holding this thing together. And in my life as well, I can say that of all the men that have influenced me, there's also women behind the scenes who have influenced me in a great way and who helped pass on the faith to me. And for that, we should be thankful. Amen? So we pass on the baton through intimate relationships. The next way we pass on the baton is by empowering younger people to use their gifts. And 1 Timothy 4, verses 12 through 14 it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. And I love this passage of scripture because it starts off by talking about, hey, don't let them look down on you because you're young. And what we'd often expect to hear in this is fight for your right to stand up and to use your gifts. But that's not what Paul says here, is it? What he says is, don't let them look down on you because you're young. But instead, combat that with character. Use your character to move forward the faith. Use your character to show that you indeed are qualified to be doing what you're doing. And then he goes on to say, Do not neglect your gift which was given to you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And I love this passage because it talks about two vitally important things here. It talks about people's character and it talks about their gifts. It talks about how both of them are being used at this same point in time. And oftentimes people get, get interested in the faith because they have a gift. And I just love it here when he talks about this and where he says, do not neglect your gift. What he's saying there is, son, you have a gift. You see, I remember when uh, one time when I was in seminary, I was preaching full time at a church, but to get to ask to be asked to preach in seminary chapel was a real honor. And uh, I got called the week before and they said, Dustin, uh, a guy named Tom, who was supposed to be preaching, Dr. Ewald fell off a ladder. Physically, he fell off a ladder, not spiritually speaking, physically <laughs> fell off a ladder, broke his leg. Uh, and we need somebody to fill in for him in seminary chapel. Now, students rarely got asked to preach. So it was one of those deals where you're like, well, yeah, of course I'll preach, you know. But it was always based on a text, uh, you know, they assigned text. So I said, so what, what passage of scripture do I have? Um, and they said, well, it's uh, Romans 9, 
And if you know Romans 9, you'll know that that is like the most fearful thing to preach to a group of seminary professors. And I thought about finding myself a ladder as well and falling off of it and hurting my legs, so I didn't have to preach on it. But after I preached on the message that day, there was a professor named Dr. Parmenter. And I was sitting in the library doing some reading, and I felt a hand on my shoulder. And Dr. Parmenter had this very, like, Albert Einstein kind of look to him, like slightly more controlled hair on top, but, but very much like a, a, a guy that you just respected just by looking at him. And I turned around, and, and, and Dr. Parmenter was looking at me, and he looked me dead in the eye, just put his hand on my shoulder, and all he said to me was this, Son, you have a gift. Son you have a gift. There were a lot of people that came up to me afterwards and said, man, that was a great job. You know, that was great and everything else. But I always remember Bruce's that because Bruce's compliment was not merely one, hey, you're a really talented guy. You know the difference between telling somebody they have a talent and telling someone they have a gift? A talent is something that we often think of that can be developed on our own, but a gift is something that is given. And when we encourage the young people and people who are younger than us and say, you have a gift, what we're saying is God has entrusted something with you. And it is something that you can use for his glory. You can use the gift that God has given you for his glory. Who is it in your life right now that you need to speak into their life and just say, you've got a gift? You know what? you really can be used of God. God has entrusted you with something special. I'm telling you, using those words might be kind of awkward at first, but the more that you use those, and especially in your families, I know my mother-in-law tells me all the time, and I always kind of shy away from her because that's what I do because she's my mother-in-law, but that's what I do all, she says all the time. She always is saying, you have such a gift. And sometimes I act like that annoys me. But you know what? I really do appreciate it. We all need to be reminded that we have gifts. Do you believe that? You have a gift to be used by God. So Paul passed the baton by empowering younger people to use their gifts. You know, this week... We got a notice from our online check-in software that we have for our children's ministry that we have too many children checking in, so we have to up our subscription in order to have more children check in because for the last month, we've been running over that amount. I think that's a good problem to have. What do you think? I think we've got a lot of young people here, lots of young men and women, lots of young boys and girls who have gifts from God who are going to be fanned into flame as a result of East Point Christian Church. Amen? And we need to be the ones to help do that. I'll gladly pay that extra $15 a month to up our subscription. Hopefully we'll have to pay another $15 a month in the fall because we have to up the subscription again. We pass on the baton by empowering younger people to use their gifts. Next, we see that Paul encourages us to pass the baton by encouraging a focus on God and faithfulness to him. Throughout the, letter, throughout the letters of 1 and 2 Timothy, we see that there's a number of people that have betrayed, uh, that have betrayed Paul. They've walked away from the faith. They're named in the letters. So how do you like to be named in that letter, right? 
But it says in there that there's been a number of people who have been walking away from the faith. Uh, and then immediately after that, here's what t- Paul tells Timothy. He says, but you, man of God, flee from all of this. I love that. He doesn't just say, but you, Timothy, but he says, but you, man of God. Man, how powerful is that when your dad or when somebody else calls you a man? Now, it's a little different if you just call somebody a woman. That just doesn't ring off quite the same way, does it? But think about that. What if every child growing up, as they were growing up, had people that looked them in the eye and said, you know, you're developing into a nice young man. You're developing into a nice young lady. How different could that make their lives by hearing that? I just love how God is growing you into a nice young man. I just love what a young lady you're becoming because of your faith in Christ. Paul does that to Timothy, and we ought to be encouraged to do it to one another as well. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were made, uh, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then again here in 2 Timothy 2, verses 22 and 23, it says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. We need to encourage the next generation by encouraging a focus on God and a faithfulness to Him. Did you know that there are more distractions in the lives of young people today than there ever have been before in the history of the world? Because of social media, because we literally walk around with a distraction uh, in our pockets called a phone. We have more distractions and more ways to interact with people than ever before, but so many of those are just one way and they are not positive. And we need to encourage our children, especially today, to take that time to invest in God and to chase after God. And parents, that means that we need to be very selective of the amount of time that we have with our kids using those distractions. Don't we? Yeah. I hate saying that myself because it is so easy when you've had a long, rough day. Just say, you know what? Just go up there and zone out in front of your TV. Just go up there and zone out in front of your game. Just zone out in front of social media. It's so easy for us to practice that as well. But parents, we've got to encourage and do more than just encourage our children, if you know what I mean, to have a walk with God and to make sure that they're having the time in their lives to do that. Because we all have the same amount of time in life. It's just how we use it. And we need to teach our children principles that say, hey, life is more than just a screen. Life is about relationships. Life is about following God with all of our hearts. And so we pass on the baton by encouraging a focus on God and a faithfulness to Him. A few more things for you that we see from the life of Paul. Paul teaches us how we pass on the baton by creating a culture of multiplication. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2, he says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
And the things you have also heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable witnesses and reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And I think this is so important that, that, that Paul is saying, hey, don't wait till you're dying to pass it on to trustable people. Don't wait until you're dying in order to do this, but that you can pass on the faith to the next generation starting now. And it's not always just pass on the faith to the next generation. Often it's people who are the same age as you. It's people who you are peers with. There are four very powerful letters in the English language when used together that I love to use to talk about this. These four letters are I-C-N-U. I-C-N-U. Think about that when you tell someone, I-C-N-U, that you have a real passion for this. Would you come along with me and I will show you how you can do this? I see in you the potential to really grow as a leader. Would you be willing to meet with me? Would you be willing to meet with me to share about how you can develop your leadership gifts in Christ? Don't wait until you're dying to try to figure out how to pass things on. Practice it throughout your entire life. In the fall, we're going to be working with men specifically who have smaller and smaller groups, only about four to five men in each group that meet once a month. But we want these to be very intentional and intimate groups of guys that can share anything together. Guys that have friendships that develop deeper. Guys that are willing to text each other through the week just to check on each other to see how they're doing or pick up the phone and call each other to know that they're, they're, in, they're praying for them and encouraging them. I just think about that. What if we could make disciples like that out of everybody in our church, both men and women, through investing in the lives of other people intentionally? Because you know what? We're never going to have enough leaders in this church. Do you know why? Because the moment that we develop more leaders, more people will come. And then you know what we'll have to do? We'll have to develop more leaders. And then do you know what will happen? more people will come because that's what happens when we develop leaders is that more people start more people start trusting in the faith and so we pass on the baton by creating a culture of multiplication and finally we pass on the baton by building a biblical foundation and worldview timothy again was once being was being warned by paul about slipping away from the faith and in 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 and following, Paul says to him, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you have known those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. There's a couple things here that I think are important to point out. You know who you have learned it from. That's the importance of having a godly life ourselves, isn't it? If we're going to pass on the faith, we need to be able to say that, hey, you know you learned this from me and you can see it at work in my life. But the second thing that we see there is how from infancy you have learned the Holy Scriptures. Do you know how, how young it is? How young is too young to teach young kids about the faith? It's never too young. It's never too early to, stay, to start Praying with our kids, praying for our kids, reading the scriptures to our kids, teaching the Bible stories to our kids. It's vitally important. And as our kids grow up in a culture where it's all about your truth or my truth, 
We must teach our kids from an early age that Jesus is the truth. And be intentional about teaching them the scriptures and making them wise unto salvation. Just as it says here that Paul said to Timothy. He was able to make them wise to the holy scriptures to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, we may not have it all figured out in this world. I know I sure don't. But you know what? If we teach people the holy scriptures, if we teach them the holy scriptures, we give them an amazing gift. We give them the gift to help them grow in their faith throughout all of their life. And so Paul comes to the end of the second letter to Timothy. Some of the last words that are recorded that he spoke on earth that we have. Now here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And church, I want you to be able to say that as well. I want you, when you're laying on your deathbed, to say, you know what? I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. I finished the race. The baton was passed on to me for this race, and I've passed it on to others. The baton was passed on to me, but I took that baton I received, and I made a dozen batons out of it, and I passed it on to a dozen other people. What would be more rewarding at the end of your life than being able to say that? I can't think of anything more important in our lives than knowing that we have lived the faith and that we have passed it on to other people. At the end of the day, it won't matter how much money is in your bank account. It won't matter a bit. It won't matter the, the, the titles you had at your job. What will matter is how you lived out your faith and how you passed on the baton to others. So it comes down to this. If we want a faith to live on, we've got to pass the baton. If we want our faith to live on, we've got to pass the baton to those who are around us, our friends. We've got to pass the baton to the next generation. And as tough as that is in our world, I see signs of hope. I see different signs of people that are getting it. And I see that, that God is with us. A few weeks ago, we received a text here at the church. And it was of, I, can't, I don't have the picture of to show you to you. It just doesn't blow up well on the screen to be able to see it. But it's of a picture that one of our grade school kids here at church drew for their, for their school project. And in the background, there's some mountains and there's some cars driving by. But right there, right in the middle of the picture, there's this picture of a big building with a glass front on it. And right there in that picture that the kid drew for school, the young man drew for school, are the words across the front that say, only God can. Don't you love that? Church, the young people get it when we live out an only God can kind of lifestyle. Do you know why? It's because God is partnering with us and passing on the baton. 
You are not alone in passing on the baton, but God is right there with us. God wants to pass on the baton to the next generation even more than we do. Jesus modeled that himself, did he not? And God is right there with us as our partner to pass on the baton. And he will help you in a way that only God can. The same Christ who died on the cross for Paul also died on the cross for a mother by the name of Lois and her daughter named Eunice. And Christ also died on the cross for Eunice's son named Timothy. And the same Christ who died on the cross for Timothy also died for your mom and dad. And the same Christ who died for your mom and dad died for you and for me, for us. And the same Christ who died on the cross for us also died on the cross for the next generation. That is good news. And church, it's good news that deserves to be passed on. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to live out the faith in such a way that we want to pass on that baton, that we want to pass the baton on to the next generation so that they can run with endurance the race that's marked out for them. Lord, we thank you for the people who have invested in us. Thank you especially today for the mothers, for the grandmothers who invested in us but also for the, the, the dads and the fathers, Lord, who have invested in us so that we can have the faith, so that it can be living brightly in us. Lord, help us to see where you are calling us to pass on that baton today. Help us to see who we can pass it to and encouraging, whether it is as simple as, as simply encouraging people with, with a few words or whether it's investing in a deep relationship with them. Help us to pass that baton onto them. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who is with us in this whole process, who has helped us walking alongside of us. And we pray, Lord, that you indeed would grow us. Help us to remember that you are with us always, even to the very end of the age. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, uh, a few things before we go today that I want to let you know about. Uh, first, we have a prayer workshop coming up uh, that's being led by Dr. David Roadcup. Uh, you, you might remember having David here preach uh, about a year or so ago, uh, and before that he was with us as well. He's the author of a book called Prayer and Fasting. It is a very good, very simple, straightforward book. He's going to be here on Saturday, June 4th from 6 to 8 p.m., uh, and he's going to be leading excuse me, a free workshop on prayer and fasting uh, that's going to be happening then again on uh, Saturday, June 4th. So mark that on your calendars. We'd love to have you. Uh, and finally, on your way out this morning, on the right-hand side, you'll notice that we have a train theme set up. It's a popular theme this year. Uh, we are doing a train theme for BBS. Uh, and so um, if you are interested in helping out with BBS in any way, whether it be bringing supplies or whether it be helping to lead a class or lead games or lead refreshments, anything like that, you can stop by that table and there's uh, several different ways that you can help out there. Uh, Melanie will be back there. You can talk to her as well uh, of how you can get plugged in. But that's June 20th through the 23rd. Go ahead and mark your calendars for that as well. Hey, as we leave this morning, would you please stand with me? Uh, and I want to pray a special blessing 
over the, over the ladies of the con congregation as we go today. Father, as we've been reminded this morning in the text about Lois and Eunice, Lord, we just remember how you have impacted our lives through so many godly women. And Lord, we thank you for the role that they have played in encouraging us in so many ways. Lord, I'm mindful of my own mom and grandma and how they influenced me through my aunts and through several ladies in my home church. And Lord, we recognize that those ladies are represented here today and those who are going to be impacting our church and the families of our church. So Lord, bless them today with rest. Bless them today with perseverance and endurance. Bless them today with peace. Bless them today and help them to know that they are loved. Lord, I pray that today would not just be a one special day a year, but uh, that we as men can encourage these women of our congregation every day, can walk alongside of them and help in every way that we can. Lord, thank you again for the ladies of this church, and we pray that you bless them now with strength, faith, and love. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.